5.06, our final hour of the week here on the Joel Natale program. And our phones are lit up, 814-679-1080, 814-679-1080. Call about any subject that you wish. And we want to welcome to the microphones via Zoom, uh, the Tool and Die Guy, Phil Kerner. It's Fridays with Phil. Hey, Phil. Good to be here on another Friday. I haven't kept keeping track. I don't know what my anniversary is today. I don't know if this is. <laughs> it might be like two months. Yeah, yeah two months and two and a half months, maybe. So listen, as you know, I'm an avid listener to the Joel Natale program. I mean, anything less, as they used to say, would be uncivilized, right? So <laughs> right. I'm, you know, you always have these great. Just like Grey Poupon, right? Yeah. Same thing, only different. So I'm driving home the other day and I'm listening to this guest and I'm like, this guy is really good. He's really funny. He's really articulate. He's got his facts down, Pat. And then I realized I was listening to a rerun. I was listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Which one was that? Monday. It was you did you redid the anniversary I did the anniversary show and you called yeah, you were in on the phone. I was in there. So that's awesome. I was uh, Quite impressed with your uh, your guests. They're very good. <laughs> <laughs> very informed so, callers. <laughs> if I say so myself. Speaking of informed caller, let's let's grab a call here. Um, hi, caller. You're, you're live with Joel Natale and the folks here. Hey, Joel. I was just calling. Uh, I was listening to you talking with the mayor, and he had mentioned uh, in the community college downtown. I know we had a couple guys on uh, a day or two ago that were saying the same thing. They uh, want the community college in the city. And I actually, I mean, I'm not against that, but I think they should just make, instead of an Erie County Community College, just make it uh, Erie City Community College and just be funded by the city since nobody out of the city wanted it anyways. I I, I totally idea. disagree, but no, I I, I mean, well, here here's the here's the interesting thing. If you look back at some of the old newspapers from the mid '60s when this community college thing first bubbled up from the legislation, you know, the community college legislation established this system. It was supposed to be developed by the school district. That's back when the school district was massive. Had all kinds of cash, and, and and they were maybe going to be the sponsoring entity. Well, you fast forward to the 2020s, that's not going to be a thing. And so, um, but honestly, you, you know, the city is, uh, you know, is, is a it's not a majority of the county, but it's a significant percentage of the county, and it's and it's certainly accessible by the rest of the county, and so. Yeah, there's a lot of advocacy for the community college being in the city. I hear, you know, from my sources that it's going to end up being over at Perico, which is on West 38th and Mill Creek. Um, I don't know how that does well for if you're from Harbor Creek, you know what I mean, or from Northeast. Right. But uh, no, I, I, but I would totally disagree that nobody in the county wants this because uh, it was an, it was considered a number one priority by the chamber, by the business people, that they desperately need this. That's the other thing. The, the, it's the business people that want this. Not necessarily, you know, it, the impetus came from business, not necessarily from politicians. Politicians were balking can, at it because they were trying to finance it, right? I can just tell you what, I can't say it's 100%, but 
with a lot of other community colleges. So some of them have the real courses, but I'm just so worried it's going to turn into, okay, we were supposed to get this for, you know, welding and auto body and auto tech and machine shop and all this. And it's going to end up being, oh, here's arts 101 and right. uh, theater 202 and nothing to do with the stuff that they were saying, you know what I'm saying? What, what's that going to get you a job in? Right. Yeah. We, 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 yeah. <laughs> we, we don't need basket weaving, but, uh, but certainly uh, what my hope is that eventually I, th- I think we need to start out with the really hard trades that are, that we have, have huge need for. But honestly, I would love to see eventually a scenario where I could go take a class on something that, uh, that I, that I would like to hone my skills on. Let's say, the Adobe Creative Suite. Now, can am I able to do that somewhere else? I'm not even sure. You, you know what I mean? But, you know, we have to be lifelong learners, and a community college could be a part of an ecosystem that allows that to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Joel. Hey, thanks. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. You all righty. Uh, Phil, weigh in on this community college thing because, uh, I mean, we, we had the big conversation last week about trades, and, and you too, Paul. I mean, you guys are, you know, part and parcel of trades. Uh, well, actually, let's start with Paul for a second. Uh, they, did they do on the job when you were coming up? Yes. I mean, everything that we do generally is on the job. Now, I don't work in the machine shop, so I don't, I'm not a tool maker. Right, right, right. So I think those guys are more, it's more of a skilled where you have more outside learning than the on the job. But most of what we do, you learn right there on the floor. So, Phil, uh, how about that? As far as, uh, uh, you know, how, is there truly a need for people c- walking in the doors of these tool shops and these other manufacturing plants with a skill set that they learned somewhere. Well, that's always the question, right? Um, I, I listen. I was listening to your conversation with the mayor, and by the way, the question you asked him, the way you phrased it, I'm not sure if you meant that or not. I thought you would ask him about the Erie uh, Regional College. No, I was that... talking about the Erie County Community College. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said you were regional, so I wasn't quite sure which one you were talking about because. Okay, so back to that whole thing. I don't even know if the regional one's still going. Is that still a thing? No, the the Northern Pennsylvania Regional yeah. College. It's majorly going. Yeah, they just okay. they just uh, took an option on the Fortis Institute building yeah, right. for some kind of a workforce development piece. Yeah, that's a great building because I know they can teach a lot there. Then, and the the trick that's teaching the trades is you have to have a building that has a lot of power in it. People don't think about that. All right. Because so, you, are we talking? 220, 240, whatever it takes. It's always about the amps. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the it's the always amps. about the amps. The amp, yep. It's not the volts that kill you. It's the amps. 240 or 480, but it's always the you know minimum of you know 400, 600 amp service to, to get all those welders running. So you light 600 amp up. service? Are you kidding me? I, I have to remember what I had in my my tool shop, but I had a. I mean, I, my house has 200. That's All true. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, mean, I, you know, to wire up my small tool shop was $25,000. Holy All smokes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So when you start, yeah. It's, that, it's, that's it's, when you start using like gauge two wire. Well, it's very, it's, you know, when it starts to look like a garden hose. <laughs> yes. Right. That's, that's expensive stuff. Okay. I mean, I can remember them at where I work. Uh, before we moved to the new building, when they were bringing in wiring, and it was, I mean, it was thick 
wire. It was yeah. That, that like, sounds like the stuff that would actually come from Pedelec from a substation there. Yeah. So, yeah, but they were running, you know, hundreds of feet of that. I yeah. can't imagine the oh cost. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So Go back ahead. to your yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, um, you know, regarding manufacturing Erie, I personally don't know who's hiring right now. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, through the whole COVID thing and everything, I told you the stories of what I had heard. It seems like everybody, from what I'm hearing, is holding their own. All right. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if the tool shops are better or worse. I mean, I still think the, the, they're a shadow of what they used to be. I know Plastec, you know, Plastec's different. You don't go into Plastec and say, I need a mold built. You need parts running. They'll build the molds to make those parts, okay? So their tool rooms are, are, are what you would call captive, all right, uh, for their own stuff. So as far as the independent job shop out there, um, I, I, I'm not seeing, like, uh, you know, you rumors used to go around, hey, so-and-so's hiring, so-and-so's hiring. Those days are gone, as far as I know. Um, so, what is well, the situation? Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Jim Martin had this article in the paper this morning, and, and let me just read a little bit of it. Again, the, the the headline from Jim Martin is "Help Wanted." Even with unemployment high, some Erie employers struggle to find workers. And 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 check this pull quote out here. Okay. Um, Uh, A a widespread concern. Service sector employers aren't the only ones struggling to fill open positions. A long list of local industrial employers are also working harder than they might expect to bring on new staff, said Kurt Duska, the former owner of Engineered Plastics, who now serves as a consultant for the company. And Jim Martin goes on to say that uh, Airborne, uh, you know, which is, you know, exploding – you know they're trying to fill 240 new jobs. They say it's been tricky, um, and and because because of the stimulus checks, because of the extra unemployment, um, people are kind of pausing to go back to work, especially on the entry level positions. And well, and and, and then when you start that. thinking about fifteen dollars an hour, I don't know what that does to any of this. Well, we can. That's another subject for later. I'll, I'll stay on ta- task here. Yes, I sir. did my. I, I did them. They have those nice little calculators online, and I took my uh, three dollars and seventy-five cents I was making in uh, the nineteen eighty, and said, "What's that worth in two two thousand twenty-one?" I I think I said two thousand twenty, whatever. About eleven something. Okay. Okay. Now that that seems a bit more in range than a fifteen dollars to me. Right. Right. What. Yeah. Number two, I, what is the minimum wage right now? I should know that. I don't. It's seven, I we seven and a quarter or seven forty, something like that. So. Okay. Yeah. Now, don't forget when I got that three dollars and eighty cents in nineteen eighty, I already had to prove myself as I talked about last week and do an interview with seven people, and had to show technical ability to get into uh, a tremendous apprenticeship. Okay. So uh, that that wasn't like come on in and 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 uh, here's three dollars and eighty cents an hour and all you're gonna do is put ketchup on the hamburgers when we tell you to. All right, big difference. All right, I mean I had to prove my math skills and my mechanical ability before they didn't let me try. So that you know that's me getting on my high horse. Now, back to you mentioned engineered plastics and then you said there was another company that was going really great. Airborne, airborne's you know growing like crazy. Yeah. What do they do? Uh, good question. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. Um, plastics industry. 
as far as I know, and you guys, you know, I'll just tell the truth here. Those, those are, those jobs are not life sustaining jobs in a plastic shop. I mean, I know plastic shops in town that used to bring a bus back and forth from the, uh, from the prison. Wow. That people just to fill their shifts. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, the insurance isn't good. These are not great jobs. So those guys can all, whatever, uh, look in the mirror and not, don't complain. They're not getting good people. You know, I'm that, that is an interesting business there because uh, a lot of those guys like make a lot of money. And I heard Paul talk about this and we could debate that a little bit. I, mean, I agree. I like the owners make a lot of money. I want my owner, my shop to make a lot of money. But when these people have to go get their own insurance, basically, and they're making minimum wage, standing in a hundred degree shop all day. Um, and you're wondering why people aren't showing up and they don't even clean the restrooms. They don't clean the, the break rooms. Uh, you know, it's just, a, I, 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 I used to go into them and, and they mm. haven't changed. And uh, that's not where we want to go here. I mean, and if you're, if you own a plastic shop right now, and I know there's some high end ones like Plastec and, and Plasticos and those guys, right. but there, but there's some other ones and I don't even know what the big ones, but I don't know what, what plastic pays an operator. I mean, you're competing, uh, you know, you can lose a bid on tenths of a cent per part. And when you're, but when that customer's ordering 5 million of these parts, that adds up. Sure. So they're, they're always on their labor rate. So that, that to me is right up there with um, what you're going to pay migrant workers to pick your grapes. Wow. Don't, I'm sorry. It's all you're doing in a plastic shop as an operator. I'm not saying an inspection person yeah. or, or, or a supervisor or a foreman, but if you're standing there, that is the, the equivalent of, of, of picking grapes out in California. That 520. Not- Hold on a second. Hold that thought there. It's, it's, we got to take our break here. Topic, talk here. Five twenty-two. Our phone number eight one four six seven nine ten eighty. Lines are open for you here on our final hour of the week. We've got Fridays with Phil, Phil Kerner, the Tool and Die guy. Also, Shaney and Paul Bills are with us, and uh, of course, I'm no, I'm no, you know, chicken liver, right? I mean, where does that, where does that come from, Shane? You know, chop liver. What, what am I, chop liver? Sure. Right. What am I, chopped liver? Yeah, it's it's probably from farming or something. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I, you don't you don't want to be chopped liver. You want to be something. You want to be you know a liver steak. My right. dad loved liver and onions. Ugh. Oh my, no. not not a thing. All right, so back, back get to back to where we were, Phil. Go ahead. Back to these manufacturing jobs. And the fifteen dollar an hour thing, mm. and, and the minimum wage, and and on the other hand, I'll play the devil's advocate. You know, these are starter jobs, all right. But you got to realize when you're going into a plant with five, six hundred operators, you know, you just, I think most people that take that job just need a job, right? Um, might be a second job. It might be a, a, a spouse just needs a, a, another job to make ends meet for a couple months. So you go in and do it. The word to the wise is, you know, you're probably not going to make a career out of that. You're never going to own a nice house or a second car doing that type of work. 
you know, um, because manufacturing used to be so hands-on, right? Talented people swiftly moved to the front because they didn't want to lose those people. Well, now, how do you stand out from a bunch of seven dollar and twenty-five cent people that are doing the same thing all day? And mm. it, you know, and they're all working hard. All right, now you'll become more valuable for just showing up every day. I mean, that's a huge problem. They used to be a problem in the service industry, but you know, these guys have a lot of problems with the people not showing up. Now, where we work. You know, um, even our, we really don't have operators per se, because these guys, even our new guys are trained to inspect their own work, bare minimum. And, and before, you know, so there, there is a, a above minimum wage potential there, obviously. But there are some jobs when you see that and you hear that, oh, so-and-so can't find um, people. Now, a, a year or so ago, there's a fellow in the area that owns a tool and die shop. And he was desperate for a mold designer. And I thought, boy, this poor guy, good luck finding an injection mold designer. Mm. I don't know uh, where he's going to find that guy. Okay. There used to be a hundred of them in Erie. And I don't know if there's five. All right. Wow. So, yeah. And is, and is that a function now, Phil, that you would go and outsource that to India or the, oh. the, the, oh. the Asian no. rim? No. You put way too as, much money in injection as, mold. Well, I'm and just you, saying on, on the design set part of this. No, thing. no, because you go through the design and and, and, and it, so much money is there to be saved by working with the designer hand gotcha. in hand. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So that's the deal. Now you could you train somebody to, to do that. That's, you know, I mean, again, back to some of these companies like plastic and maybe, maybe I, you know, I'd be very surprised if they have their mold designs done. Because everything they build is a Cadillac at that place. Right, okay? right. So you need those guys in the shop that handle the, the mold design, especially you're three quarters of the way through and the customer calls and says, hey, wait a minute. We're going to make a change to this 3D cavity. Interesting. Okay. All right. And so now would that we, be would that be a job that would be like a mechanical engineering kind of job out of uh, Penn State Barron or Gannon or one of those places? With a heavy emphasis on plastic engineering or plastic, you know. Okay, so Penn State technology. for sure, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. and then, though, that guy, just like, you know, we expect our doctors. How long is an internship when you're a doctor? Oh, it's three years, yeah, four years. Three years. So you spend millions of dollars to go to medical school and get into <laughs> Harvard or Yale or whatever, right, to become the guy. And then after you spend all that money to be that guy, then they literally beat the hell out of you through three years, on a basically an apprenticeship, right? Right. Working 24, just 36 make, just hours to make a day. Sure you can do this. We don't do that with manufacturing for some reason. Mm -hmm. We don't make it. We a guy comes out of college with a degree. It's like, here you go. Start designing parts. I'm the one that's got to work with their drawings every day. I'm not <laughs> saying that these are bad human beings, but they don't understand tolerancing. Right. They don't understand how things are machined and back to the old days again. Okay. I'm not, not wanting to go back there, but there were certain things that were good. You, most of the best designers I ever knew were toolmakers first. They right. Put it all it, together. It, 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 it's, it's like what we talked about last week where it was, you know, uh, the, the people that knew analog uh, could easily, you know, transfer right into digital. I wanted right. to, I wanted to roll back to what you, we were, you know, this article in the newspaper of Jim Martin's and people having a hard time finding uh, help uh, this this is a very important uh, business in Lake City called Airborne. The company makes electronic components 
used by medical, defense, industrial, and space industries. And they were going to add 250 employees over the next three years. Now, the, yeah, that, that came out last August. And uh, in, in, in today's article, they talk about how it is, uh, you know, it has been a little tricky. The director of operations, John Nelson, said, after the latest round of stimulus checks, we've been ha- having trouble finding entry-level employees. So I want to bring this thing in for a landing. 15 bucks an hour. Um, does that change the ball game for both manufacturing and for service jobs? Absolutely, 100%. And I, and I know what Paul would say, but I, you know, there's got to be some fairness here. I get that because I heard, was listening to Paul the other day. I listened to you too, Paul. But you can't just do it all at once to these guys. That's not that their whole model is based on what's called a direct labor rate. You've got your higher paid guys, your lower paid guys. The more lower paid guys you have, that brings your rate down. Then there's usually a percentage you multiply it by, and that's what you get your hourly rate at, what you're charging for your machine time. $50 an hour, all right? So what you're looking for is the more apprentices you have that you can train that can do really great work, but they're still in their apprenticeship. And let's just say they're making $7 an hour. And, and this, I'm just going from my experience in a tool shop. And then you've got those 10 guys that are making $20 an hour. It all goes together, right? Because you're looking at a profit margin. If you take your lowest guys and double their wages, don't forget about the problem. What are you going to do with the guy that was making 15 already? That's it. That's a huge part of it is it, you have to lift up everybody. And then at what point does the whole thing become untenable? Hey, we'll pick this thing up in the next uh, nine minutes. We'll be back after the news, Lou Dobbs and Cal Thomas here on Talk Erie. How's it going? It's 5.39 now. I'm Joel Natale. It's uh, our final segments of the week here. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, In fact, let's do a little traffic and weather together to see what we're looking at for the weekend here. Um, As far as for your commute... Uh, there is uh, something happening here. Let me, five-on-one-pa.com uh, is indicating what? What is this here? There's a crash on I-90 eastbound between exit 18, route th- 832, the Stair exit, and exit I-79 south. So this is on the eastbound traffic. There's a lane restriction. This just posted about a half an hour ago. So uh, uh, be careful of that. Uh, also, if you uh, you were traveling on Route 215 in the West County, that bridge is out over 90. That's the one that got damaged. They had to pull it down. They're going to be replacing that later this year. Um, as far as other traffic on uh, 90, uh, gets to be a little bit of a slowdown in the West County on 90 uh, as you're near the uh, Girard exit. Uh, also, um, you know, approaching I-79 and, uh, and also around Peach Street. Uh, also, 79 is slowing way down. And, uh, Adam, are we getting some snow out there? Yeah, so I think it's from, uh, from weather-related. 79 is slowed down with moderate traffic uh, for, from basically uh, approaching McCain all the way to Edinburgh. As far as heavy traffic on the side roads, uh, we have stop-and-go traffic on Route 19, 
north of the I-90 interchange. Also, uh, heavy traffic towards Waterford in the borough of Edinburgh and also on Route 8 as uh, you're going out towards Lowville and so on. Uh, so that's that's your traffic. Uh, weather, the current conditions at the airport, uh, 26 degrees with light snow. We have a chance of snow showers uh and snow showers are likely tonight, overnight low of 22, and snow in the forecast all the way through Saturday night, and then uh, mostly cloudy Sunday with a high of 31. Chilly, chilly weekend for sure. Uh, Phil uh, Kerner is with us. He's the tool and die guy, and the lines are open for you, 814-679-1080, 814-679-1080. All right, so, so, go ahead, bud. That on with the the, the uh, place at uh, Lake City that's going to hire 250 people. Airborne, question, right? Yeah, right. I, um, the the question is: Are they hiring grape pickers, or are they hiring skilled skilled people? When I hear entry level in my day, entry level meant oh, there might be room for advancement. Right. I don't know if entry level means that anymore. Okay. Well, I think I, I think if you're dealing with electronic uh, devices, even if you're doing, you know. Even if it's plastic uh, connectors, you know, like like Bliley might do or something like that. Uh, I mean, that's that's some that's some pretty that's a pretty important stuff, you know. Important, but you know what? These guys aren't screwing these things and making them by themselves. You got components coming right. down a conveyor belt that you're soldering line A and B together, moving it on line gotcha. A and B. I don't know. I don't want to speak for the business. Right. I'm well. I, I'm not, and you know, I am pro owner here. I've owned my own shops. I work for an owner now. I don't have a problem. If you want to, you know, if, if you're willing to put the money into it and build a manufacturing plant today into this economy where you're competing against the entire world, not just the United States, good good luck and God bless you, okay? And you deserve to make a profit. But you got to be honest about what, what, I guess I hate to use the word complaining or whining, but you, oh, woe is me. I can't get workers. I, I'm doing this great thing. Well, what's the why? That's the question you're asking. Right? Yeah, I, I think it's always been about it's always been about uh, what the market will bear, and unfortunately, the it hasn't taken much to pay for the market to bear you enough uh, enough uh, people. We had a big conversation about this a good year and a, a year and a half ago, well, about a year ago when we had uh, uh, when we had. Uh, folks talking about with, with such a severe shortage, shortage going into the pandemic of workers, and that uh, you know their their employers get stuck at their wage levels. But I want to open the phones. Uh, let's grab a call. Hi, caller, you're live with Joel. Hey, uh, yeah, this this whole thing comes up every few years with the fifteen dollars an hour type of thing. Uh, there was a financial guy that actually analyzed different sections of the country and said if they do a national uh, minimum wage, it won't work because $15 an hour might be fine in Oshkosh, but uh, New York City, forget it. So it needs to be done regionally or at least at the state level in order to make it more uh, relative to those states. Um, Like I said, $15 an hour might be like $30 an hour in Louisiana. Sure, sure. Instead of, you know, so that balances out. And the other thing is, is that until they get rid of the, the welfare trap, um, you know, I got, there's a guy making 10 bucks an hour. If he makes 11 bucks an hour, he loses $1,000 a month in, 
in welfare benefits. Yeah, you know, it's so unfair. Reason, yeah. Well, in the early part of the Trump administration, that was on the table, that they were going to redo that. And I can't think of the guy's name that was in, in, charge of the, um, in charge of that department. But he met with so much backlash that I, I don't even think he lasted three months. Do you know what they call um, that caller? When I talk to folks like at GCAC, I mean, these are people that deal with folks that are trying to to make it through each day, right? And they call that the cliff. And so right, there, right. we have in our system, it's all built in that you can only elevate yourself so far with the government's help, but if you go one step further, you lose everything, and it's it's ridiculous. You lose your you lose your Medicaid, you lose your uh, Section Eight housing. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's like it's like thirty thousand dollars worth of benefits from the government if you make too much, and it's just wrong. There should be a sliding and scale. And we should not, go ahead. It it should be something like you said, like a sliding scale, but it should be. If I make an extra dollar an hour and become a supervisor for this company and better myself, reward me for that. Don't take everything away from me because Absolutely. I still can't make ends meet when without it. But if I keep moving up in this company, one day I'll be off of it. I'll be off the right, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, when when the company's ready to give me a replacement for my Medicaid and cover my kids, then I'll be happy to participate in in the private system but don't take everything away because i'm bettering myself uh, it's well it's, and yeah and let's not let's not keep adding to the, the government dole either right. by saying yeah. once the company takes care of my kids or my insurance uh that that has to be fixed in and of itself i'm not saying go out and buy your own insurance and don't ask the company for it right uh, companies can get better economies of scale by buying in group group benefits but then a lot of times you're beholden to that company now and you can't leave, which is – it's also a, a recruitment and retention tool. Yeah, I, I know absolutely. a lot about this, benefits this, and stuff like that. So. This is how this stuff works, right, is that uh, if you if you have an employee that you want to keep, you're, you're going to create a package for them to that, – that will that – will, Keep stay profitable for you as as the corporation and, and and benefit them and keep them going. Great call, I really well, look, appreciate it. Go ahead. And you, one other thing, you can look at you can look at the welfare uh, program in this country as corporate welfare because yeah. now now Walmart doesn't have to pay you X because it'll make you lose your benefits. If they didn't have a reason against that, and I've I've heard this on Walmart's the easy one to pick on just because they're the biggest. But um, and I think that they're actually up in people. They're they're cutting jobs, but they're they're paying the the people that stay more. Right. Um, so I think that that I think that has to be looked at and analyzed a little bit differently than just everybody gets fifteen bucks an hour because in four years fifteen dollars an hour isn't enough. Absolutely. And, and what's why is that a magic day. number? Why what? Uh, how did all of a sudden fifteen made up. become? It's, yeah. It, because the people are making ten bucks an hour now, and that's a good number to go to. It's, right. it's all smoke and mirrors. Nobody's nobody's really doing anything with that anal- analysis at the government level. Appreciate but, uh, the look call. At the private sector for a lot of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank Thanks. you, sir. Uh, grab another call. Hi, uh, caller. You're live with Joel Natale. Hi, Joel. Um, I think we have to rethink the whole system um, because of so many jobs uh, leaving. 
because of technology and because of going overseas. Um, and you can't have people sitting home, and it would be better if we would have some sort of a job-sharing hmm. system where you would work 20 hours a week, but your alternate would work 20 hours a week. You'd both be able to collect benefits, but not to the extent that you do now if you're not working. Therefore, you can't sit or be working minimum wage and say, oh, gosh, I could be sitting home getting as much or more, and it would bring a quality of life to both working individuals. They'd have more time to pursue their education or their own enjoyment or whatever it is that they like to do, but it would also make them responsible at least in some way that they've got to get up and work those 20 hours. Right. The soft skills, yeah, uh, and 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 I love I love the idea of of job sharing because it, it you know especially when you've got folks like right now where they're really in a bind because maybe they have kids at home or they have elderly parents at home and so it's just easier to say I'm going to punt and not not do some work and, and and take these benefits if they're available but some of them are getting into despair because remember the the benefits kind of ran out right i mean goodness right. you know so but i mean even after covid is finished because there yeah. just aren't going to be as many jobs as there were i don't think let's and, hope let's hope that that's that uh, let's hope that that prediction doesn't come to fruition because we need to grow our economy here. I'm gonna grab. Yeah. I'm gonna try to grab one more call before I finish up here. Thanks so much, ma'am. Have a great weekend. Okay. Uh, one more call. Hey, I've got it like a minute. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, Joel. Matt. Yes, sir. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Really good conversation tonight. So many things that you're talking about is really good. Uh, bring a lot of memories back from manufacturing. Mm. But um, the main three things that uh, we were talking about with the vaccine yes. uh, a little bit yesterday. Uh, in regards to whether or not there are aborted uh, baby materials in those vaccines or not, um, there's basically, you're, you uh, had done some research, found that there's part of it called confirmation, you know, basically does this vaccine work after they're done developing it. There's actually three parts that um, they go through, developing the confirmation and actual production right. of the vaccine. They've, If you want to look at all this information, you can look at, there's at least 50, I think, different ones on loserinstitute.org. And it breaks it down, um, and I listed uh, like 18 of them. So like 75% of them use um, the tissues of uh, the unborn children, the aborted children, in one or all three of those processes. Um, so just a list a few of the names and the manufacturers of origin of country. There are some in the U.S., China, Russia, et cetera, but like Sinovac. Uh, you know, we've heard a lot about Moderna and Pfizer were the first two to kind of come to the table with them. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, Alta Immune. They're from the USA. AstraZentech, USA. Also the U.K. They have a branch. Candocin Biologies, China. Uh, it's just a huge list, and they break it down into – um, all the different parts on that website as to uh, which which phases, but basically 75% of them are using them 
in the development phases, the um, <clears throat> confirmation phases, and the production of them. Now there are, in, the only reason I bring it up is that um, there are vaccines uh, that are COVID uh, related that um, do not use uh, aborted uh, children in the, any of those phases. So if you're, uh, you have a, a, a conscious um, uh, disagreement with that for whatever reason, uh, which I think, you know, that, that's, my, that's, my, that's my personal opinion, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you can go look at that and say, okay, which one, if I'm going to get a COVID vaccine, which one falls into those lines? Um, yeah, you know. it was interesting because I, I looked up to see what the, you know, the Pope has weighed in on this. And, and, the, and the Pope is saying um, that, again, there are particular vaccines that, that, are, uh, used, that, that have used a fetal line from uh, from something uh, from a, a fetus from 1973, li literally thousands of generations um, of that line. And again, it's it's getting into something that I don't understand. But it's yeah, it, they've but, taken those, but that's those only for the confirmation. Produced them in the in the laboratory. They've okay. regrown those cells. Is that what that that's, is? And so yes, the, the, the Pope the seems to be making that distinction between you know whether a, a, a fetus is used. You know, in production or in confirmation, and and if it's if it's a reproduction of a cell, you know, does that equate an actual unborn baby? You know what I mean. So the Pope is weighed in on this from that unborn baby, right? The, yeah. The, and so that's why there's the there's the um, you know, and like I said, there you know the Moderna and the Pfizer, they did not use it in the production of their vaccine. Right. They used it in proving it out. We'll just say that's the confirmation right. and process. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Confirmation. Right. Right. That's correct. So, but yeah, there's a there's a, a a lot of them are using it in all three processes, including the production of it, because it's beneficial for whatever reason for them to do that. And, um, and I so, guess this is a this is commonplace in every vaccine too, which is something I did not know about either. And that's why there has been a you know for. Or, you know, I remember reading some, um, uh, a lot of literature on this about 20 years ago. Uh, a doctor had given it to me when I asked about some vaccines um, for um, different reasons. I think we were, uh, there was a missions trip, and we had to, certain people had to get different vaccines. I had some vaccines when I was a kid, and there are certain vaccines that had to be taken to go to these other countries. And uh, he said, well, you need to do some research to make sure you're not getting And I, I didn't even... That was the first time I ever heard anything like that. Right. And then after I read about it, I thought, wow, this is really kind of strange that um, I hadn't realized that um, this isn't just something that uh, uh, Christians under, under the umbrella of Christianity doesn't believe that it's a, a, moral, a moral thing to uh, take something and put it in your body from aborted children. This, this is um, something that is um, not looked upon well by the Jewish community, the Muslim community, mm -hmm. many different religions go, hey, this isn't good. Um, but So I just wanted to point that out to, to people that um, there, if you're going to get the, a, a COVID vaccine, there are ones on this website you can look at that would uh, you could do that in clear conscience. I appreciate, Matt. Thank you so, so much, and uh, uh, have a great weekend, sir. Appreciate you doing that research. You too. Take care. All right.
I'm, I'm down to my last minute. Let's uh, bring in Phil Kerner here and Paul Bills and Cheney Bills. Uh, Phil, uh, we had a flurry of calls here. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for your patience. Um, I just want to tell Paul, this was a very expensive week for me, Paul. Very expensive week because I went out and found all my Democrat friends and I bought back all their he's not my president t-shirts. And I didn't <laughs> know they had that many. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey uh, so... So you know, there's there's a mixed bag out there. I think if I, if I had a, a few more callers, we'd probably say we absolutely need to raise the minimum wage. So I think this is going to be a significant conversation going forward, right? Uh, Let's have the debate next Friday at, at six at five oh six. All righty, uh, Shaney, uh, what do we got for Monday, ma'am? Can't hear you, sis. You're you're totally muted. Even Zoom. On okay. Monday, we are talking to Cheryl Bates. Uh, she is from the United Way, the Erie Free Taxes Program Director. So we'll we'll talk about what that program entails and uh, how to get involved. All righty. More ahead. We'll have a, another full week of great broadcasting here. Thanks so much to the mayor, Joe Schember, Phil Kerner, Shaney Bills, Paul Bills, and to you, dear listener. Have a great weekend. God bless.